Hello and welcome to the JCBC Podcast. My name is Sean, and I'm so grateful that you found our podcast. Listen, the JCBC Podcast is a collection of several sermons that have been preached over the years at Johns Creek Baptist Church. I pray that as you find these sermons and you listen to them, they would meet you where you are in your journey. And I trust that God will do something in these words to lift up your head, if only for a little while. So go ahead and subscribe to us and follow along. And, and now, if we can um, turn our worshipful energies and attention uh, to the, the, the scriptures. In James chapter 2, listen to these words as they come from James chapter 2, beginning in verse um, 14. Yeah. What good is it, my, my brothers and sisters, if, if you say you have faith, but do not have works. Can faith save you? If a brother or sister is naked and lacks daily food, and, and one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and eat your fill, and yet you do not supply their bodily needs, what is the good of that? So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead reading of the sacred word it's reliable and it can be trusted let's pray good and loving and trustworthy God we pause for just a moment to recognize the possibility of what can happen when hearts are yielded before you right here in this space and in the hour that we share with one another, we recognize we have all come from a variety of experiences and backgrounds, and we've had moments this week that have compelled us to come into this room or into this hour. We pray for just a little while. If there is some burden so heavy that it prevents any of your worshiper, worshipers from fully and completely being attentive to the work of your spirit, we pray that you would give the gift of relief for just a moment, you might be able to make true those promised words that all who come to you and lay down our burdens will find rest. So now, as we open up your word and we attempt to interpret its truths, we pray, come, Holy Spirit. Our hearts inspire and fill us with your holy fire. For if you are with us, then nothing else matters. But if you are not with us, then nothing else matters. In the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Amen. So I told some of you that recently, Laura and I have begun to play tennis. We're beginners. We're learning quickly, but we're beginners. I want you to know that in preparation to playing tennis a few months ago, I began to watch every YouTube video I could get my hands on. 
about how to serve a good serve. And I learned everything by watching these videos about a kick serve and about a slice and just a flat serve. I learned about a forehand and a backhand. I learned about the continental grip and the western grip. I learned about drop shots and slices. And I was ready. I mean, I was so ready. You couldn't be more ready than me, Charles. I watched every video there was to be watched to prepare me. And so we got out on the court with a couple of friends. So Tommy and Heather Heaton, who are JCBC members, they're really good, really good. And so they split up and we split up and we partnered off. And so Laura played with Tommy and Heather played with me and it's my serve, which means she's up a little bit near the net. And now listen, I can hit the ball really hard. And I did, into the back of her head. So from time to time, if you see Heather beginning to walk funny, know that there's a reason why. And, and it's a truth that I learned that moment that remains true to this moment. You can prepare and posture, you can position yourself, but until you get on the court and swing a racket, it doesn't mean anything. I've told you before that part of my therapy is to, to go to a gym. And so we lift. I lift weights. And years ago when I began to do that, do you know what I did to prepare? I bought the most valuable resource you could buy at the time. It was Arnold Schwarzenegger's Encyclopedia for Bodybuilding. I am not kidding. I can show it to you. It's it literally about this thick. And just carrying it will get you a, a pump. You know, it, it was, I read every word, Marcia, every page in that book. And I learned about ectomorphic body types and mesomorphic body types and endomorphic body types. Somebody say amen. And I learned about all the food that is necessary for each of those distinct types and how to exercise and what the position exercises were, were called and the movements that had proper names and the machines. So then I went to the gym because I was ready. And I loaded up this, um, this old school, old fashioned leg press machine with all these plates and I had a great workout. Uh, plate after plate after plate after plate. Got a really good sweat, or as Arnold would say, I got a really good pump, you know? And when I was finished, it was time to unload the, the rack. And so I did, so I went to one side and I un un unloaded all of one side. And the entire machine fell over on its side, lopsided in front of all the big muscle heads who realized in that moment that I was a newbie. And I realized in that moment, you can prepare and you can prime and you can position yourself, but until you step in the room and sling some iron, it doesn't mean anything. Running. Well, who am I fooling? I don't run. <laughs> but my wife runs. And when she began to train years ago for a triathlon and a half marathon, man, I bought her the best shoes you could buy. I bought her a subscription to Runner's World, and we got her all ready, but she will tell you what any of you who are runners will tell you, and that is this, it doesn't matter until you start pounding the pavement. And I'm thinking about those examples because this truth rises up before us today. It's the same with faith. James said it this way in the text we read a moment ago. Faith without works is dead. That's how James said it, but James's big brother, Jesus, uh, put it this way. 
You will know them by their fruits, by the fruit that is produced from a life of demonstrating faith. That's how you'll know that they are faithful, not because of the words, the positioning, the priming, but the action. We also read in John's gospel these words, this is how everyone will know or recognize that you are my disciple when they see the love you have for each other. Beloved, that is exactly, still to this day, the only evidence that we are followers of Jesus. Not because we can string together really good words, even inspiring words about what it means to follow the crucified one, but rather because we demonstrate in the living out of our faith evidence that backs up what we're talking about. Now, why is that important on a day like today? Because you and I could gather here every week and do incredible exercises in faith development and formation. We can be inspired. We can be lifted so high with music and with sermon that it feels as if we are just exhilarated with hope. But if we leave this place and leave all that we have affirmed in this place, it has meant nothing. Now, Today is the culminating sermon of a nine-part series, right? We've been talking about the sermon series, That Kind of Church. And over the course of these weeks, we've been talking specifically about seven core values that shape who we are. We recently looked at them, defined them, redefined them, shaped them, reshaped them. And, and I've been preaching them, preaching the daylights out of these seven uh, core values these last many weeks. And we have said some things that are... That, that we're able to, to affirm every time that we gather here on Sundays. I mean, we say things like we value excellence in the worship of God. That means every time that we gather together, we can come in here and deliberately be, be stoked and provoked and evoked in a holy imagination that we might possibly leave a world of absolute despair for a time to, to host and embrace a world other than the one right in front of us. And oh my gosh, that is so powerful. What we have the capacity to do in the excellence of worship every week. But that's not all we do. We say that we, we value theological depth and diversity. That means in every Bible study, in every Sunday school class, and then presumably in every sermon, we attempt, in fact, I'll say it this way, we refuse to splash around in the shallow waters. But we wade out deeply into the waters so swift and so dangerous that we have to wait and hold on to each other as we are immersed in God's great mysteries, refusing to take simple bumper sticker answers and try to apply them to the mystery, the mysterious questions of faith that we live with every day with our families. And we can do that, see? Every time we come together in worship, we're able to affirm and reaffirm that. We say that we value authentic Christian community. That means when I show up here on a Sunday and you show up here on a Sunday, we're able to look at each other and be reminded, oh, maybe I'm not the only imperfect person with an unfinished story because I see in your vulnerability and transparency that together we're all broken and we gather around God's great table that is long enough for everybody to have a seat. We get to affirm that every week. And that's good news. 
we also get to affirm the anchor of all of it, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ and the growth of his church. That means every week in, in song or in word or in conversation, in private prayer, in Bible study classes, we get to re remind ourselves of the good news that, that no matter how we have broken life, no sin can take us so far that the reach of God's grace can't find us, that we can all be forgiven and given a brand new beginning. And every week we get to come together and celebrate what we call uh, congregational courage. And we say, listen, God never calls us to be uh, complacent. God never calls us to areas of absolute comfort and, and predictability. But God is always calling bold congregations to step out in places where they never have been. And together we're able to move into greater faithfulness because we will go into God's great unknown together always now that's a strength that we celebrate we even are able to celebrate what we talked about last week which is we believe in responsible christian stewardship that means every week in creative ways we get to be reminded of how god has showered us with blessings and privilege and grace why so that through us we might render into the world unspeakable unimaginable good because of what God has given us. Now, we can do all that every week. And we do. We can affirm all that stuff every week. And we will. But none of it matters. Not a single syllable of it matters without the last core value, which is today's core value, a missional consciousness where every member is mobilized to serve. Every member, that means you and me. This is how we say it. We say it this way. Believing every member is an integral part of the body of Christ and, and further believing every follower of Christ plays a vital role in the witness and, and mission of the worldwide church, we value a missional consciousness within our church where every member is truly empowered and fully equipped to mobilize his or her faith in practical ways for the cause of Christ. Further, we boldly affirm the reality that God calls both women and men into all areas of vocational ministry with no limitations based on age, sex, race, or station in life. Somebody say amen. This is what we affirm, but I'm here to tell you that nothing that we have affirmed up till this moment will matter unless we affirm this moment that all are called to be mobilized in our faith, to put feet to our faith, to live in such a way that we affirm with the way we, we exist all that we believe in this place. And this is why today, I, standing before you, I want to call you to imagine with me what it is that God is calling out of you. Because it's very difficult to imagine that it all rests on us, but I'm here to tell you the reason this is so significant is because you are the only evidence that he was raised from the dead. You. You are called to body forth 
the living, breathing, resurrected Christ in this world. And that can be an overwhelming um, thought to process because I know me and I know my limitations and if everything's riding on me, we're about one generation away from absolute extinction, right? Do you know what Teresa of Avila said about it? This is what Teresa said. She said, Christ has no body now but yours. No hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes through which he looks with compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands through which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands. Yours are the feet. Yours are the eyes. You are the body. Christ has no body now on earth but yours. It's on us. And that is overwhelming just as it was overwhelming to the first disciples on the last night when he was alive and he said to them, I'm going to a place right now and and where I'm going, you can't go with me at at, at the present, but don't worry, you'll be fine. You got this, kind of, that's how he said it, you know. He was like, I'm leaving you an advocate. You won't be orphaned, you're you're gonna be fine. And, And looking with distraught in their faces, Thomas says, whoa, Lord, but how do we know the way? We don't even know what to do in your absence. We can't imagine a world without you existing in it, so we don't know the way. And Jesus said, I am the, I am the way. It's, it's in, I'm in you. I am the way. I am the truth. I'm the life. No one gets to the Father but through me. And in the very next chapter, so that's John 14, in the very next chapter, Jesus says, look, it's really simple. If you abide in me and, and, and I abide in you, then you will bear much fruit. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about abiding. Don't, don't worry about bearing fruit. Don't worry about producing. Don't worry about the weight of the world and the gospel on your shoulders. No, just abide in me because if you abide in me and I abide in you, then your life will be teeming with fruitfulness. Not because of you, but because of who is within you. That's why Paul put it this way. See, we have this treasure in clay jars so that it will be made known that this extraordinary power belongs to God and does not come from us. We're the clay jars. He is the treasure. Or or the way he put it in Colossians, these words, it's Christ in you. That's the hope of glory. If you and I are able to embrace the mystery and the truth of what I just said, then you and I will mobilize in ways that we have never imagined worthy. Your life, your normal everyday life from sunup to sundown, every encounter that you have, every conversation that you have, every need that you recognize in the world, you are able to be Jesus. Not because you're just good at this, Because you're not, and I'm not. It's not because we're good at this, it's because he is good within us. That means if someone comes to you and they're broken and they are in, in deep pain, 
You can yield in that moment to the awareness, Lord, I recognize in this moment. I can listen with my ears and I'll try to fix it and I'll give mediocre solutions to the problem that I'm seeing in front of me. But Lord, I ask that you might give me your ears. Listen through my ears so that I may hear the way you might hear. Lord, cause me to be silent when I need to be silent and and speak when I need to speak, but be in my words so that Christ in me, the hope of glory, actually demonstrates something worth hearing. And Lord, teach me that when I have nothing to say and they are hurting so bad that maybe it's enough for me to wrap my arms around them and say to them in their ear, if Christ is in me, his arms are around you now. That's the mystery of our faith, brothers and sisters. That's what it means to be mobilized. That's what it means to take everything we've affirmed these last several weeks and live in such a way that we actually believe it. We allow the Christ who is risen to rise up within us and be Christ in the world through us. And I know you can think, I don't have what it takes. I'm not enough. You already, if you are in Christ, have everything you possibly need to be Christ in the world. You know what Richard Rohr said about it? Richard Rohr said, look, we we don't lack the presence of God. What we lack is the awareness of it. He is here. He is in you. And wants more than anything else to come alive. So that's why we eat bread. And that's why we drink a cup. Because the point of bread is not to simply watch it rise, but to eat it, to ingest it, to consume it until it becomes a part of us. The point of a poured out glass of wine is not to just watch it, but to consume it, to recognize it's a part of me. And Christ said that as long as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you you will remember. So on the night that he was arrested he took a loaf of bread and after giving thanks for it he blessed it and then he broke it and he said this is my body which is broken for you as often as you eat it you remember me and then likewise he took also a a glass of wine And he took it, and after he had given thanks, he blessed it. And he said, this wine is the new covenant poured out in my blood. As often as you drink it, you remember me. For as long as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray together. In this moment, Lord, we recognize that you have invited us to a table, but it's not simply because of our physical appetite. We recognize that the soul hungers too. And what we hunger for in places so deep is nothing less than, nothing more than, nothing other than you. 
We pray that today, even as we take this bread and, and take and share this, this cup, you would remind us greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. We pray that you would empower someone this day. We give you thanks for the bread and thanks for the cup and the sacrifice it took to bring it to us. Now empower your body now, Lord, as we eat and drink in your holy name.